everyone. Thank you for listening to the Bibleology Podcast with Chessa and Lori. Hey, friends. We love the Bible and want you to love it too. Everyone should feel comfortable asking questions about the Bible, and we want this to be a place to do just that. Join us as we lean into strange and hard-to-understand passages and grow in our knowledge of the Word of God. We hope that our discussions will encourage and empower you to open your Bible and start your own learning journey. So, let's ask the questions, explore the possibilities, but most importantly, let's get excited about the Bible. Are you ready? Hey guys, welcome back to the Bibleology Podcast. We are so glad you're here. So before we jump into today's topic, we just want to start off this episode to let you know what podcasts that we've been listening to and what books that we've been reading. We just wanted to kind of share with you guys with the stuff that we like. Chess, what do you got? Yeah, so book that I just recently finished was Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Yeah. It's long. It's a long book, but it's worth it in the end. It's like a true novel. It is. Like a novel classic book. Really good book. So yeah, really liked it. Don't be intimidated by the length though, because the story is amazing. Mm-hmm. She does a really good job. It's actually the first book I've ever read by her. Oh, yeah. So it was good. And then podcasts that I just recently list- listened to is Relatable by Ali Beth Stuckey. And I'm sure a lot of listeners probably know who she is. She's a very popular figure, but I like the way she takes what's going on in the world and applies the Bible to it mm-hmm. and how the church should be responding to it. Ooh, that's true. She does do that. She I, does do a great job with that. I really like her a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Listener, how about you? Well, I'm going to say this, Joe Rogan. <laughs> I love his <laughs> podcast. He's the one that I always listen to. A lot um, of people like him. He can be a little rough around the edges, but I just like how raw and honest and I love the guests that he has on because nobody is, um, what do you call that? Like when you're, you can't say what you like, mm. I don't know what I'm looking for. Sorry. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I'm sorry. Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, in the book I read a few months ago was tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow by Gabrielle something. I forgot her last name. I loved that book. Mm. But if I tell you what it's about, I feel like nobody will want to read it. It's about the gaming system, like video games and like the life and how they were created. And it's kind of like a love story with characters. Oh, it just got really good reviews. And I thought, Oh, I'm going to give this book a try. I absolutely loved it. Like total 10 out of 10 books. So I highly recommend that one. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And I think one thing that you and I've learned by being in a book club is not to just stick with one genre. Yeah. Try other genres. And like, say you start a book and you don't really like it. You don't have to finish it, Yeah. but just try other things because in our book club, books that I never thought I would like. Yeah. I love them. Well, me for thrillers, I always thought thrillers were scary. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't like to be scared. But some of the thrillers, they're not scary. They're, yeah. they're pretty good. Yeah, Those are the it. fast reads too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on today's episode, we want to talk about the church. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, Chess is going to teach us, guys, why we need the church. We want to just talk about the church's function and people's hangups with the church. Yes. And I want to give some personal account for, for me personally. And I know Chess is going to give some accounts too. And just other people that we've talked to about the church, our friends, our family, kind of what their beliefs are and what their views are. And just ultimately overall why it's important and why the church matters to us. Yeah. So you wouldn't think that the church is a hot topic, but it is. And I feel like a lot of people are offended by the church. Mm-hmm. 
So we want to talk about two, what people mean when they say church and what we mean today when we say church. Mm-hmm. So first, when anybody ever talks to me about the church or, you know, they're telling me why they don't want to go anymore or the hangups they have about it. The first thing I tell them is the church was God's idea, not ours. So if you're a person that doesn't think you need the church, then this discussion today is for you Mm -hmm. and it's going to help you because honestly, if you follow the Lord, you shouldn't be looking at your own personal reasons of why you don't want to go to church. You should be looking at scripture and what God says about the church because the church is his, Mm -hmm. the functions are his idea. Everything comes from him. So for us to tell God that we don't need the church, it's kind of like us telling him that he had a bad idea. Yeah. It's like, you know what, God, that was a really nice idea you had about the church, but I don't really need to go. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about church as in attending a church and being, you know, a part of a local community, but also scripturally what church says, what the Bible says, what the church is, which is the people Mm. like we make up the church, not the building. We do (laughs) not need a building to Mm -hmm. worship God. Collectively believers in Jesus Christ are his body. And we're going to talk about that today. So like Lori said, we're going to talk about the purpose and function of the church, why it's important, why we need it. And just, you know, people's different opinions, opinions of the church. And I'm not, I'm not saying that people's opinions don't matter because if you don't voice your opinion and don't address your opinion, then you're not going to fully realize why you think that Mm because everybody has different backgrounds raised differently. But if you don't line up, if you don't take your opinions and your thoughts and check them with scripture, then you're going to think that what you're doing is okay. Mm -hmm. But if you check your thoughts with scripture, you may find that some of your thoughts about the church are wrong and that's okay. But the challenge is going to be, are you going to, obey God with what you read in scripture or or are you going to keep going down your own path and what you think about scripture? So this may be a challenge for some of you. And I may say some things, or you may hear some things from scripture that you don't like. Mm. So I think that when we talk about this, we're going to have a lot of people amening us and saying, yes, that's Mm -hmm. exactly what the church is for. Then we're going to have some people that are going to get offended and upset. So if it happens, it happens. I mean, it's just, the way it is sometimes when we read scripture, the Bible says that the um, it's like a mirror. When you look at the Bible, it kind of shows you, you know, it shows you what you're doing in your life, your thoughts, your attitudes, everything that's going on in your heart. So, mm-hmm. all right. So before we get into the church and what the church's function is, we need to talk about, we need to go back to the Old Testament and talk about the nation of Israel or the people of Israel. So when we go back into the Old Testament in Genesis, we meet a man named Abraham and God handpicks Abraham and tells him from you, I'm going to create a nation. So Abraham gives birth to his, well, he doesn't give birth to a son. (laughs) That is not the Bible. Men cannot give birth. (laughs) His wife gives birth to a son, Isaac, and through him, a whole nation is created, right? We have generation upon generation of people, people, and they create this nation and they're called the Israelites. 
And the reason why God did that scripture says is that God took the Israelites. He made them a nation for himself so that through them, they would be able to show all the surrounding peoples, nations, all the people around them who God was. Mm -hmm. So through the Israelites following God's laws, worshiping him as the one true God and living the way that God wanted them to, they would be able to glorify God and show everyone around them who God was. So that was the purpose of Israel, right? Okay. That was one of their purposes was to show everyone who God was. That's what the church is today. Okay. And I'm not, I do not believe in replacement theology. For those of you who have never heard that term before, you can look it up. But replacement theology is that the church has replaced Israel. I do not believe oh. in that, but I do believe that the church is just an extension or like in the age of grace is the way that God glorifies himself and shows the world who he is through the church. So you guys have all heard that song. If you've been raised in church, you've heard that song, this little light of mine, right? Well, the church is the light. Mm -hmm. We are, we become the light of the world when Christ is living in us. So as the church, it's our job to show Christ to the world. So that's one of the functions of the church. How did the church begin? So we know that there was no church in the Old Testament, right? Old Testament believers didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. So they went to synagogue. Um, they had a temple. Mm -hmm. They sacrificed animals. If you go through, you know, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you will see a lot of laws and rules and, you know, ways that they had to follow to obey God. And it also goes through a lot of sacrificial rules and ways they had to sacrifice animals for certain sins and certain, you know, wrong attitudes. And just mm -hmm. if you go through it, you'll see that. So we have God relating to people that way. The beginning of the church doesn't happen until the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. So that is when Jesus has already died, resurrected, ascended into heaven. Okay. He's at the right hand of the father and he promised that the Holy Spirit would come. Mm, yes. yep. So we have the beginning of the church in Acts. We have the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling believers. And then the evidence of them being indwelled by the Holy Spirit was the gift of tongues, mm -hmm. right? These people are speaking in other languages and they're proclaiming the wonders of God. So that is the beginning of the church. The Holy Spirit is now dwelling in people. So we don't need a physical temple anymore. Okay. We are the temple of God. Okay. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So if we look at some of the functions of the church, an example that was set for us by the first church, if we go over to Acts chapter 2, in verse 42, I'm going to read this real quick. And this is talking about the believers. So these are all of the believers who um, were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And now they're living out, you know, this is what the church was, right? Or is. Okay. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we have those four things that they were doing, right? They were following the apostles teaching. So we know that the apostles teaching is true and inspired by the Holy spirit because a, they were filled with the Holy spirit and B all of the apostles were people who walked with Jesus, who were there when he died, when he lived, when he died, when he was resurrected and when he ascended. So they have a special place in the church at that time. We know that they were fellowshipping, right? Mm -hmm. They met together. 
We see that today in our churches. We fellowship, we have community um, to the breaking of bread. Now, this can be seen maybe in a couple different ways. I've heard it explained in a couple different um, different ways. So the breaking of bread. We know that a lot of people, when they went to church, as we would say today, right, or they went to fellowship, they may have been traveling long distances. So it wasn't like an hour-long church service like we have today. Or oh, yeah. Yeah. They were traveling. They some of them could have been traveling long distances to meet with other believers. So they would spend the majority of the day together and they would eat together. They would have meals together. Mm-hmm. Um, also the breaking of bread can be looked at as communion. Mm-hmm. Um, as we get further along in the church, um, Jesus instituted communion on Passover when he was still alive before he died. So we do know that communion is plays a very important role of you know, being a part of the church and communion, which is the bread and the fruit of the vine. Sometimes churches use wine. Sometimes they use grape juice, um, represents his body and his blood. So, but more than likely what this breaking of bread is talking about is having meals together all day. Yes. They were hanging out. They were having meals Mm -hmm. together. They were in community. They were fellowshipping. They were becoming a family. It was what, what they were doing. And then I want to hop over to he- can I can I interject real quick? Yeah, I want to ask a question. So you're saying all this how the first church was set up with you know the apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking bread. Where does the building has the building come into spot yet? Um, I'm not quite sure that I know they were meeting in they were well the first time they met was in an upper room oh, of a building. Okay. They all met up there. Okay. Um, they met to hear teachings. I do know it says that some of them, that they would actually go and meet outside of the temple. So it wasn't like they were going to the temple to, um, because they thought they had to be at the temple, but it probably was a comforting thing for them to go yeah. to the temple. Cause that's what they were used to. Cause we know that God was, the Holy spirit was living in them. So they didn't need to go to the temple to find God. But if you look on um, Acts chapter 2, 42, if you go down to 46, it actually says every day they continued to meet together mm-hmm. in the temple courts. Okay. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So they were meeting together in the temple courts. They were going to each other's homes. So pretty much in the beginning, it was all house churches. And was this church setting, I think I've heard this before, I don't even know if it's in the Bible or not, about like a church service that people would talk. So if you were teaching, could I say, excuse me, I have a question about that. Can you, mm-hmm. have you heard of that before? Like people would just like dialogue with each other. Like no, church? I, I no, I don't think it says that in the book of Acts when it's talking about the church, mm-hmm. but when you get into the other Paul's epistles, mm-hmm. all of his letters are two churches mm-hmm. and he's giving them instructions on how to have orderly churches oh, okay. on how like, like how we, like when we have church, like things are done in order mm-hmm. so that, you know, well, they talk about women, women were talking out of turn people. They were just saying whatever they wanted to. And Paul was like, you can't do that. You can't disrupt the church. God is a God of order, right? God yeah. wants things done decently and in order. Yeah. So obviously they had that problem, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure in smaller settings and homes, they probably had more freedom mm-hmm. to ask questions. They had to have. I feel like I've heard that before something that church used to be the way that people would just communicate with each other and share their ideas or, you know, it could be, but you see like Peter preaches the first sermon. So yeah, you can see how there were probably people who are more gifted in that. And they probably listened to the apostles, the apostles, you know, 
knew more. They knew Jesus. They walked with him. They knew his teaching. So they were then passing that on to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, So we see them. um, And if you look at um, the epistles um, that Paul writes, some of them, when they, when they're talking about people, they talk about churches that are meeting in their homes, Mm -hmm. you know, like the women that were holding, you know, services in their homes for people to come in and have church in their houses. So they didn't have church buildings. That doesn't come until a little bit later, like a couple, I think, centuries later. Okay. Um, I have heard before that in synagogue teachings that everyone would stand up and the speaker would sit down. Oh. And I think it was, oh gosh, I could be completely botching this, but I want to say like maybe during, um, I can't think of his name. Anyway, there's a certain era of time where the speaker standing and the people sitting down in theater style seatings became more um, popular. Okay. But I don't, but it's not like a right or wrong. I think it's just culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of books on church history where you can really dig into that and Mm -hmm. see where we get a lot of the things we do today. You know, I know that when we look at our churches now and then we read Acts, um, the culture and the timing and maybe that the way that they met and... I mean, there are still house churches today. There's nothing wrong with house churches. There's nothing wrong with it. So I think the church can look differently in different ways, as long as the core doctrines are being preached and the core like function of the church Mm -hmm. is happening. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So speaking of core doctrines, what are the core doctrines of a church? Mm -hmm. Like if you're looking for a church, what would you say the main, because there's not going to be a perfect church. Everybody's going to find something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. But we were taught recently, well, you've already known this, but just that if the church has an established core doctrine, then that's kind of all you need. And the rest of it, you're going to have to get over, get over yourself. Or decide if it's something that you can't get over. But as long as it meets those core doctrines, you're good. So obviously, first and (laughs) foremost, the number one core doctrine of any church would be that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And that you need him to be saved. Mm-hmm. Um, in Romans 10, it says that, you know, if you believe with your heart, Jesus, you know, died on the cross, he rose from the dead. You have to confess with your mouth that he is, you know, you have to, you have to believe that Jesus is the one and only way to heaven. There are not many ways to heaven. You cannot get to heaven by believing in Buddha, by believing in Joseph Smith, by believing in multiple gods or multiple ways. There is one God and his son, Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for us in our place so that we could be saved and rescued from darkness and live with him forever in heaven. Mm -hmm. That's how you're saved. Mm -hmm. So Jesus Christ, first and foremost, has to be preached. Um, God, the father, God, the father, God, the son, the Holy spirit. You have to have all three. You can't have God, the father without Jesus and the Holy spirit. And you can't have Jesus without God and the Holy spirit. You can't have the Holy spirit without Jesus and the father. You have to have all three of them together. Um, the Bible, the Bible has to be your core. This has to be it. The Bible, Meaning you, you have to the, believe it's the word of God. Okay. And it's important for the preacher pastor to like preach from the Bible. Yes. There's a lot of times where you can go to a church and they barely touch on the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to honor the word of God. Mm-hmm. Like this is what we live our life by. Yeah. You don't, I mean, you can live life however you want, but that's not what God's asking of you. You have to believe in him. If you believe in a perfect God, then you're going to listen to him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're going to do what he says from his word. So the, the word has to be, um, and then, you know, we have the other doctrines, you know, believe, believe these are, I believe they're core doctrines. You know, baptism is very important. Um, you, 
baptism doesn't save you, but it is an outward, you know, expression, an outward expression mm-hmm. of an inward decision. So we believe in baptism, um, worship, you know, worship mm-hmm. is important. Mm-hmm. Um, just being in order, I feel like okay. is a good one. So yeah, just to me, the core, the very firm core doctrines are who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, the function, um, the importance of the church and the importance of scripture. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. Yeah, that's good. So why do you think people are so easily offended with today's modern church? Just the people that you've spoken to, including myself. Modern, <laughs> yeah. The modern church. I feel like there's a, there's a spirit of offense almost, and I'm guilty of that too. I've had to pray that off of me, like just being super offended by things. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you what it would be. I really can't. So it's probably like the enemy mm-hmm. attacking me somehow, like don't go to the church, but revisiting again, like if your church has the core doctrines, like get over yourself, like stop being yeah. so offended and stop being so like self, like, uh, like it's about you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, get in there and serve. Right. Like stop be self-serving to yourself. Stop being offended. Well, I think we need to realize that the church is made up of humans and we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. So you're never going to find a perfect church. And even a church that you find that follows all the core doctrines and that you love it, it still is going to have imperfect people. So we have to have grace for each other and to really know, we don't know people's motives, but you can know someone's heart Mm -hmm. if they're really trying, you know? Um, I believe that a lot of people get offended by the church because they have a problem with authority. I don't think a lot of people these days like being told what to do. I think that we live in a day and age where we are to put ourselves first above all else. Mm -hmm. I think we also live in a time where our children are worshiped, their schedules, their time, our self-care. We live in a society, especially, well, Western society. I mean, this doesn't go for everyone because obviously our culture is different than other cultures in the world. But in America, we are taught to put ourselves first. Yeah. And if we're putting ourselves first, that means we're only thinking about how we feel, how church is affecting us, how we don't like that worship song. We didn't like that message. I don't like the way that pastor talks. I don't like the way they put that person in leadership. I don't like the way they greet me at the door. I don't, I don't like the kids ministry. I don't like this person. That person was rude to me. That person didn't say hi to me. See, everything you just said is self is about self. It's all about self with God. And yeah. his plan for the church is the complete opposite of what we're doing So you ruining it. Yeah. And I think that we need to ask ourselves, why are we going to church? Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into that. Please tell me. Why are we going to church? So I do want to hop over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. And it says, it's whoever wrote, the, nobody knows who wrote the book of Hebrews, by the way. Um, the authorship is kind of, you know, up in the air, but a lot of people lean towards Paul. And what he's doing, whoever the author was, is giving instruction. And he's saying, telling them how they need to help each other to be better people. Like they need to encourage each other towards love, towards good deeds. And in verse 25, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what he's doing is he's saying, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So even then there were people who were in some, um, versions, Bible versions, it says not forsaking the assembly of the saints. Mm. So we take that as the church that when you're meeting together, when the assembly of the saints, which is 
saints are believers. When you're meeting together, people weren't doing that. It was probably the same as today. People were probably getting offended. People probably had other things they wanted to do on that day. They probably thought, I don't have time for this. Like, this is ridiculous. Or I don't like that. I don't like that speaker. Or I don't want to go there if so-and-so's there. Mm. Like, I'm going to show up for that. So they probably were having the same, obviously the same issues. But it's very clear that we are not to make a habit of not going on a regular basis. Obviously, things come up. We're not perfect. We get sick. Our kids get sick. Sometimes we go on vacation. Um, but not to make a habit of missing it. We're like, and people say that, gosh, I just need to get back into the habit of going every Sunday. Mm. Cause once you get out of the habit, it is so easy to wake up on Sunday morning and go, Oh my gosh, I've been so busy this week. This is the only day I have off. I just need this morning. I just want to drink my coffee. I want to watch my shows. I want to sleep in. I want to hang out with my kids. I want to make this big breakfast, or I want to go on this day trip with someone. And it's easy to fall into that. But I will tell you, there are some days that even now, and I've been a believer, I mean, the majority of my life, there are a lot of times I don't want to go, but I go because I know when I go, I'm going to get something out of it. And also I'm there to worship God. Mm -hmm. I'm not only there just for me, I am there to worship my creator and to commune with him and other believers. I don't think I have ever gone to church and gotten home and said, man, I really regret going. Yeah. I really wish I wouldn't have gone. No, I never, ever, ever. I've never done that before. So people like me right now, I am struggling with the church. I have been for actually quite a few years and it's, I just have not been able to pinpoint exactly what it is, but a lot of it for me is the, it's a selfishness. I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get dressed. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And it's nothing about a pastor or the people there. What what would you say to somebody like me? Because I know a lot of people feel the same way I do mm-hmm. about church. Like, why even go to church? First, before you answer that, I heard this story one time um, about this man saying, if you were on a deserted island, you've never read the Bible before. You only have the Bible to read and you read about the church. You get rescued and you're so excited to see, let me see what this church is about. And you go to church service, you're so excited. And you're like, wait a minute, this isn't what the Bible says about the church. Mm. I kind of feel like that's how I relate to that man. But I don't know why. I don't know why I feel like that. I just like something is off. And maybe it's a thousand percent me and not like the church, the way they're doing it. But I just feel like the church should look so much different from the world. And it's not. It doesn't feel like it's different. It feels like we're trying to replicate what's going on in the world. We're trying to keep up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to get past that part of it. Well, that, that is a hard one. I think that the church looks different in every, probably every country in every culture. Um, especially churches where they're being persecuted. Mm -hmm. Like they can't, openly worship God or they'll be murdered. And we've seen Christians get killed before. I mean, it happens all the time. Christians are martyred for, you know, for Christ. So we know that it looks different in other countries. Um, so like the American church is very different because we have, we have freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. We can worship whenever we want. We can talk about God whenever we want. Anybody can go to any church. It doesn't matter. We can have services whenever we want. 
in other countries, they say they have church, but they're government sponsored churches. Mm -hmm. So like China, they have government, they say, oh no, we have freedom of religion, but the churches out in the open Mm -hmm. have to preach what they say has to be preached. They have to follow their rules. So when you have secret churches, those are the ones who are following the Bible, right? So when you, when you talk about like the church, the church in the Bible, not looking like the church in America today, Mm -hmm. I would say, I don't think they can't, I don't say they can't look exactly alike, but we have to remember that that church was in its infancy. They were in a different time, a different place, but I do feel like the core of the church is the same. Okay. We are following the apostles teachings, which is the new Testament, right? Mm-hmm. We follow, we, and not just the new Testament, we follow the old Testament too, which is what the apostles also preached. And Jesus also quoted old, old Testament scripture. So we take all of the Bible. We have community with each other. We break bread with one another. We have all kinds of things at the church where we eat together. We do communion together. We worship him. We sing songs to him. And worship is always going to look different because a lot of people want to be stuck in the hymn, like the hymns of the early church, not the early church. Like, you know, you have like the 19th century church, um, you know, 17th, 19th century church where we have all these, where all these hymns come from. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like that's more preference. I think some things are just preference. I think some things are scriptural and I think that some things are preference. And I, I do agree with you. I think there are some things in the church that do look like the world. And I think sometimes that some churches try so hard to get people in Mm. that they you're right. They look too much like the world mm-hmm. to draw people in. Yeah. So I think there's a fine line. I don't think there's anything wrong. Like, you know, our church does, you know, a event called light of the night mm-hmm. where we do Christmas lights and we, um, incorporate the gospel with, you know, like, cr- like Christmas characters. And mm-hmm. we throw on this free event for the community. So it goes out to the community. Yes. Yeah. And we reach out to the community. They see that they come and they want to be a part of what's going on at our church. And we've had people actually come to the Lord through that event. That's amazing. So I think what we need to look at when we see churches doing things that we think are worldly, I think first and foremost, we need to see if there's any fruit coming out of it. Oh, okay. So one the fruit that I'm talking about would be people coming to know Christ, people coming closer to Christ, rededicating their lives to him. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, okay. Like Easter service. We know that Easter is a very important holiday. Mm-hmm. It's been important since the early church to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Um, so, I mean, that's the core of our, you know, our faith is that Jesus right. overcame death. He wrote, he was raised from the dead. So when we have Easter services, we may do things on Easter services that attract people because we want them. To, we know they're going to come Easter and Christmas are the two most attended. Actually, Mother's Day is up there too. Mm-hmm. They're those, the most attended services. So we may do extra things like, you know, for Mother's Day one year, our church did, you can make your own bouquet of flowers. And it just opens up the community with them. We draw them in through kindness, right? We get them in the building and then we preach the gospel to them. Okay. And a lot of people like, you know, we just recorded an episode with our friends, Rochelle and Janelle. Rochelle's first service was an Easter service. And she came to know God through coming on Easter, which she probably wouldn't have come to any other service because she, you know, so she thought, Oh, I'm going to go on Easter. What a great day to go. She said that what a, what a perfect Sunday to go would be on Easter. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't think there's anything wrong with doing things that, um, draw people as, as long as a it's aligned to scripture that we're not doing anything outside of scripture and that, um, there's fruit coming from it. But do you think sometimes this is where I maybe get hung up on is that we're just relying on these strategies, you know, to be in a certain place and not relying on the Holy spirit. And I don't feel like I'm being judgmental. I'm speaking for me personally. Okay. If we do this and then that, then people are going to come mm-hmm. instead of just being in like just full prayer and let the Holy spirit work. Like, why do we need all this ta-da production? But what if the Holy spirit put that on someone's heart to do something? Like, what if they said, Hey, I need you. I want you to do this. And then these people are going to come in. It's going to draw people in. I can see where you're coming from though. I, I know a lot of people have problems with that. Like, why do we have to do all this stuff? And then some people are like, yeah, but look what happened. Like we have people at our church right now Mm -hmm. that came to know God or came back to God through an event that we had at the church. So I guess what, what you talked about earlier was let's focus on core doctrines. And then maybe we're just going to have to, in our mind, put aside the stuff that may irritate us Mm -hmm. or find a church that maybe doesn't do that stuff. Mm. And maybe you'll feel like you're more in a line with your conscience and God. Right. So it's not that I think that if a church only did those types of things and everything, and there was no gospel being preached, like if we just had light up the night and no gospel was being preached, Mm -hmm then I'd be like, okay, we got to preach the gospel, right? If we just had Easter service and the gospel wasn't preached, well, what would be the point of that? Mm-hmm. Right. If we just had a, you know, a huge dinner or something where we bringing people in, but the gospel wasn't preached, then mm-hmm. there, to me, there'd be no point. What, what would be, what would be the fruit of that? Our goal is to get people to come that way we can preach the gospel to them. Also, though, we have to remember as the church, it is our job to go out and to preach the gospel right. to people. Right. Jesus said that, go and preach the gospel to every nation and yeah. baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son, the Holy yeah. Spirit. So we have, to me, it's twofold. We mm-hmm. want them in the church to mm-hmm. fill the community, to fill God's love because we're the church. That's mm-hmm. our job, right? But also we have to be equipped to go out and to preach the gospel to them. So I just think it's going to be based on the churches, what their motive is of having an event. Yeah. Like what's the motive behind it? Like, why are we doing this? And then sometimes there are some things that we just, you know, you just don't do or because people often say, um, I've heard this before that they just want the numbers, the people in, and then maybe we can get onto the topic of tithing yeah. too. And some churches are like that. And that's been a hard issue for not me personally, but for uh, several friends of mine, this is the tithing piece. Just, you know, how churches go in like this big old production about tithing. Yeah. And some do. That's, that's a, that's a difficult one. So I think the people who come like, oh, I'm going to try out a new church and oh, here they go. So then they're automatically turned off. Right. Um, and then again, I just feel like that's like a, a selfish thing too. That's like a, a me, like I'm offended. I have the problem with it. I also think that's a maturity thing. I think that if you know scripture, mm-hmm. you know that. The Bible is very clear that it is our job as a church to support our pastors. So um, there's no doubt about that. That is Mm -hmm. a black and white issue in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Paul's very clear. He says that, you know, a worker is worth his wages. Mm -hmm. And we are to make sure that our pastors and the preachers are being taken care of. Right. Um, Little things you never think of. We need electricity. We need heating. We need air conditioning. We need to pay, you know, bills and property bills and 
and payments and stuff like that. So when, when we think, oh, why does the church need money? Well, it's our job as the church. Well, we are the church. So it's our job. God's very clear in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that we are to give so that the church can function. Okay. I um, was read this book. I think it was in a book one time of this story. And I, this is like, this is exactly how I felt. Um, it was, so it was about a story. I think this lady was overseas on a missions trip and she met this family, a mother and a daughter, and the daughter was dying. So she opened up her laptop is ready to email her church. Please pray for this baby to be saved, like healer. Like I want everybody in prayer. So as she was doing this, she gets an incoming email from the church church saying church members, please pray that we can raise enough money so we can pavement our, our driveway or we you know like the church. Mm-hmm. And then following a couple of days later, this baby dies, that prayer wasn't answered. She gets another follow-up email. Praise God. We raised enough money. God is good. We paid enough money for the pavement on the church. Mm-hmm. Like that is just that that's the part that like hurts me. Like it gets confusing. But what, what, what part of that hurts you? That, why are we spending money? I don't know. in like praying for something like cosmetic when there's so much more that we could do in the world with the money. Okay. And then I've had another person tell me before, well, don't you want to make your home nice? Don't you want to fix up your home? And you and that, and that one was like, Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, let's look at that story you just said, because I know where you're coming from. Cause I think I read, I read, we read the same book mm-hmm. and I read that. The people who were praying for the parking lot. Parking lot, yes. <laughs> Driveway. Maybe nobody was coming because it was muddy and people didn't want to get out. So they're sitting and going and the pastor's going, if we do not get this paved, people are not coming to the building because you're in America and people don't want to go to church if they're going to get their shoes muddy or if they have to drive too far, right? This is this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. So maybe they were like, to them, I was like, okay, if we get this parking lot done, yes. But the baby being prayed for, maybe it doesn't mean that no one was praying for that baby, mm-hmm. but God didn't answer that prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then God answered this prayer. So for me, what I would think was your questions should not be directed towards people, but towards God. Mm-hmm. Why did you answer this prayer, but not this one? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Okay. Yeah. Because we're, we're humans, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't know that that nobody wasn't praying for that baby, but for whatever reason, God decided not to save that baby. But for whatever reason, God decided to bless these people with the driveway, which apples to apples. It doesn't make sense, right? right? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Why, why a baby's life is way more important than a paved, than a paved Mm -hmm. parking lot. Mm -hmm. But that's why I always go back and say that we can't see the full picture. And okay. Let's just say that the people who are praying for the paved, you know, driveway, we're not praying for the baby. Then it's their motives that are wrong. It's that person. It's them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know all the answers to that. I do know that every church has different things that they need, mm-hmm. different things they're praying for. Um, okay. Well, let's, we can point this all back at us too. I know people who need money for rent who have been struggled before I have, you know, we know people in our community that need stuff, but we always buy for us. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you know, I still go through the drive-thru, you know, sometimes at Dutch Bros or Starbucks and grab a coffee that I don't I need. Like, I guess as the church, why aren't we pouring? I know what you're saying like, oh, it could be muddy, but why aren't we pouring money into this family more or, the, or make it known if, if churches are, it's not known. It's not known what we're doing, Yeah, you know, to the community, unless it's like an outward, Hey guys, look what we're doing. But it's just, I don't understand like why we just need this production of a building, I guess. Yeah. I know it's to honor God. I just. But then where do you think we should meet? I don't know. Because in our culture, you're going to meet in a building. Mm -hmm. There are some people who do meet in homes. That's why I said there's nothing wrong with meeting yeah. in a home. You can meet in a home if you want to. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just completely wrong. It's just like there's a, a greater need that the church can serve, you know? So we say we are the church. So, you know, I am the church because I'll go out and try to meet as many needs as I can yeah. personally, Yeah. you know, without being a part of the church. Right. Because I feel like sometimes the church is doing it wrong and how you opened up with, this is God. So we're saying God's design was, but again, it goes back to my story of like, are we following the way that God says that the church should look? Yeah. Well, okay. But a lot of churches have a lot of mission minded. Like I know that our church we have a whole program based mm -hmm. on missions yeah. and that those missions are set up into different things, community outreach, you know, local missions. And then we have world missions and we have all these different missionaries that we support and all the money that comes into that program goes directly to that. It doesn't go to anything else. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't go to our pastors. It doesn't go to our bills. It doesn't go to anything. It goes straight to this. I think a lot of churches do it right, but not all churches are going to do it right. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have a church that does it wrong or does maybe like our church. Maybe we do things wrong, but we get a lot of this over here. Right. Yeah. You know, the core, go back to the core doctrines. Yes. Yeah, that's why for me personally, that's why it's important. Does it have the core doctrines? Right. I just think anytime you have humans behind everything, mm -hmm. it's going to mess something up. Yeah. And we just have to understand that mm -hmm. we can't let what God has called us to do to be, to be, um, to be interfered by, um, what other people are doing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like a distraction so, almost. Yeah. You know? Or like, Oh, well, you know, if they're going to do that right. Then I'm, I'm out. Like I'm not doing this oh, anymore. Okay. Well, no, God still yeah. called you. Yeah. Like, I know it's important to have the church. I like the community part of the church. Um, I feel like the community is so important when you're going through things too. You know, one time when my mom got pretty sick, I was with the church. I was able to reach out to the church to pray just like the same like-minded people is what really helps with the church. Yeah. Part. Yeah, for sure. So real quick, let's talk about, I want to talk again about like what the church's function is and different like scriptures about the church. So we know that in the body of we, the church is called the body of Christ, right? So we know from scripture, we are Christ's body. So if we go over to Ephesians chapter five, I'm going to hop over there real quick. Ephesians chapter five, verses 29 through 30, it says that in, before these, before 29, 29, 30, Paul is actually talking to the church about how a husband should treat his wife, but he takes that analogy and likens it to the church, mm -hmm. that Christ is the head of the church and that the body of Christ, which is a church is his bride. And we see that a lot through scripture that we are the bride of Christ. That is what, you know, yeah. so he has this analogy going. So when he goes to first 29, he says, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed, but they feed and care for their body. Just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body. 
So right there, we know Christ cares and feeds the church. He cares for the church and we are members of his body. We're a part of Christ. So if we see Christ caring for the church, it's, we should love the church too. We should love the church just like Christ does, which means we should be feeding and caring, caring for the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. You can't do that when you are a not serving God, um, not in fellowship, not breaking bread, mm -hmm. not following the apostles teaching. When you are not doing the things that the early church did, the core of it, you're not, you're still a part of the body of Christ as a believer, but your local community church, because like even in the old time, in the new Testament, they had the the church like as a whole, but there were churches that met in every, all these cities. So they met together. They have like little communities because obviously the whole world can't meet together every Sunday. So being a part of the body of Christ is being a part of your local church. And, um, if we hop over real quick to Ephesians chapter one, verses 22 and 23, it's talking about Christ. And it says that God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So we know that Jesus is the head of the church. Mm -hmm. He's the head of the body of Christ and it's his body, the body of Christ, the church, they're synonymous. So we know that the church has to be important to us because the church is the body of Christ. So if we say that we don't need the church mm -hmm. or the church doesn't have, isn't good enough, we don't need, we, we can, we don't need the church to be close to God. Yes, you do. Mm -hmm. You do need the church to be close to God. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe that. Now, yeah. if you're in a situation where you're imprisoned or, you know, you're in a situation where there's only like three of you or four of you that can meet, obviously God honors that. He mm -hmm. knows your motives. But if you were in an area where there is a local community, a local body meeting, it's your responsibility to find a group that is following the Bible that believes in Jesus to be a part of that. And then I want to hop over. This verse actually is one of my favorites about the church. And it's in um, Ephesians chapter two. Actually, no, that was a different one, but I'll read this one first. Ephesians chapter two, um, 19 through 22 actually talks about the foundation of the church. It says, consequently, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. So when you are a foreigner and stranger, you are not a part of the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. But when you become a Christian, it says you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. So what he's doing is he's giving us an analogy of a house. So we are a part of this uh, God's household. When you become a believer, you're a part of God's household. And the foundation has been built by the apostles teaching by the prophets, right? Who prophesied Christ coming, who prophesied everything that's happening And Christ. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. So he is the cornerstone. He is what holds the entire thing together, right? So what the part that Jesus plays in the church should make us want to be a, to want to be a part of it, to want to serve it to want to function in it because it's a part of him. Um, Ephesians three, chapter 10 is a great verse. And this is one of my favorite ones. It's talking about God. Paul is talking about God. And he says that his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So we know that part of 
God's intent was to use the church to make the wisdom of God known to rulers and authorities. Mm. And we know that those rulers and authorities more than likely are the rulers and authorities that we talked about in Ephesians chapter six in our spiritual warfare episode. Yeah. You know, there are rulers and authorities that apparently need to need to know that God's wisdom is the power, right? Mm-hmm. This is the church. That's our job. The church's job. God doesn't place that on anybody else except for the church. Wow. So that is a very important role that we play. Um, we also know in first Corinthians chapter 12, that Paul gives an, an, a list of differing gifts that Christians are given, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself imparts to believers. We've all been gifted with certain things, and those gifts that we have been given are not for us. They are not for us to look good. It's very easy to be prideful mm-hmm. when you're working in your gift, but we have to remember that it was given to us by God. Okay, we didn't come up with this gift on our own. And we're not good at it just because it's about us. God gave it to us for a reason so that we could glorify him. We could make his name known and to serve other people in the church and outside of the church. Um, And when everybody is working in their gifts, when you read these chapters, when everyone is working in their gifts, that's what makes the body, right? It talks about the eye not being more important than the leg or the hand or the foot. Mm -hmm. We all form the body of Christ and we all have a specific function for the body to function correctly. So yes, what I'm learning, (laughs) what I'm trying to be open to is maybe I'm just focused too much on the building. Hmm. Interesting. Like the building, like that's where my focus is. And I don't believe that's coming from God too. And that's, what's kind of scary. Like just stop focusing on the building and focus on the people. Yeah. And the function and the function, like what's happening in that building. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at what goes on during the week in that building, is the building being used for God's glory? Yeah. Like your home can be used for God's glory. Anything in your life, well, I say anything, anything good in your life can be used for God's glory, whether it's, you know, the way you talk to somebody, your money can be used for God's glory. Yeah. So, I mean, look at, maybe we should look at the building that way Yeah. or the events that are done. Are we using, are we using the building for God's glory? God's glory. That's good. I is like it that. just that for, well yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it just for Sunday morning, just for us? Mm-hmm. Or are we using it for other functions and drawing the community in so they yeah. can see how we live that's and how good. we love each other? I right. Like that. mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's hitting home. I like that. It's hitting home. Is it? <laughs> you feel it? I feel it. <laughs> oh, and also, um, Another thing that we need to remember is that the majority of the New Testament was written by Paul. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a lot of his writings, they are written to churches and they are instructing churches mm-hmm. how to act and how to live for God. Yeah. So we know right away that the church is vital. Yeah. Paul was a part of the same church that we are. And the churches were, were he was trying to correct churches too, right? Yes. Yeah. So the churches weren't doing it right. So he's saying, this is how you need to do it. Yep. Correcting them how to do it. Yeah. Just like how now, I mean, I love that meme going around right now. It says if, um, if Paul were here, the American church would be getting a letter. Yes. <laughs> I love that one too. Cause you know what? That's that we're not perfect. Yeah. And you're right. I think, I mean, if you look at, well, the Bible is very clear. All sin, anything that we think against God all comes from selfish ambition. Yeah, it all comes from selfishness. Yep. So I've done the same thing. I've been critical about things in the church. 
about how things are done Mm -hmm. in the past. And then one day I just really felt like God, you know, just put on my heart. It's not about you. It's It's nothing to do with you. It's an obedience too that you have to to do. Yes. You just have to obey the word. Right. Mm -hmm. And trust God when he says, don't forsake the assembling of the saints or don't make it a habit to not meet with other Christians. Why don't we, instead of what, not that you shouldn't question. Instead of looking at that and saying, mm, I don't really feel like doing that. I have a lot of other things to do. Why don't we just trust that God knows more than us? I think for me reading, I was thinking, oh, read the Bible and find out about the church. I feel like my eyes have just been so set on looking at the negative things about the world's church. Mm. But now that you're talking about this and pulling up scripture about church, it's making it make sense for me. Good. Yes. You're welcome, Lori. Yes. <laughs> We're having a moment, people. Yeah, we are. We definitely are. <laughs> but you know what? I like that you're being open about this because you are not the only one. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you there are a lot of people that are going to listen to this and be like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. Like, I love all the people in the church. I love the pastors. There's not, that's why I said, like, it's just confusing. And I think it just hit home when I'm just focusing on the building. Yeah. I'm being distracted by that. Right. And that's not where the focus should be. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, what is the goal what is the goal of every believer? The goal of anything that we ever do mm-hmm. should always be to glorify Jesus mm-hmm. and for people to come to know him. Yep. Because if to make if, disciples, to love one another. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have Jesus, you cannot go to heaven. Mm-hmm. You cannot go to heaven without Jesus. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Yeah. And God tells us that in his word. So if we are not preaching the gospel and not doing things to draw people to Jesus, then it's, there's no point in it. So maybe if we, you know, look at it that way, look at it as not, you know what, Chessa, it's not about whatever that you didn't get anything from that message or you didn't feel something when you were sitting there, but you know what, maybe the person next to you heard that message and was like, oh my gosh, like I, I need to rededicate my life back to God. Well, then that message was worth it because that person got something. But then here I am focused on, you know, or any of us focused on, oh my gosh, I cannot believe they said that. And they, that was, that was wrong. And they shouldn't say that. And I didn't like that song. And I don't like the person who spoke today and blah, blah, blah. It's not about us. And, and then there are people in other countries who can't even meet in a building. Mm -hmm. And we're complaining about, we complain about the silliest things I feel like in our churches and we fight over the silliest things. Then you have people who would give anything to have a Bible, let alone in their own language. Rip out one page. They have one page yeah. tucked in away, you know. And me and you have what together? Probably 30 or 40 Bibles to yeah. combined. Mm-hmm. And plus we have the Bible app and we have all mm-hmm. these, mm-hmm. we have access to so many pastors and believers who know the scripture. Yeah. I mean, even just doing this podcast, you know. We have access to so many things and here we are. I don't know. I I'm the same way. I'm not innocent in being critical. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing too, is like having a critical spirit. Like we need to check ourselves too, that we're not having a critical spirit that we need to make sure that our focus is on the reason why we are here. Yeah. We are not here. <laughs> Nowhere in scripture. Did we just read that we go to church because it makes us feel good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally everything about the church is serving other people. Yes. yes. Or showing who Christ is. Yep. And if we're the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, 
then our focus should be on making sure other people know who Jesus is. Yep. Jesus came to serve. Yep. And to be like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I just need to ask for forgiveness too, for raising my son outside the church. It was probably a couple times a year, his whole life going to the church. And that's my biggest regret. Mm. So if anybody listening has small children, take them to church. That will it's be one it. thing you will never regret. And one thing you will regret if you do not. Yeah. And little kids like going to church. Yes. Sarah loves going to church. Yes. She loves, she doesn't wear dresses to school anymore, but today she, we haven't been to church six months. Wow. Yeah. Probably six yeah. months. And, um, she put on her dress because she wanted to look nice for church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then tell them about when you were in the car. Yeah. She so went... on the way home. So she sat in the big church with me because she was nervous. We haven't been to church in a while. And told her that was fine. And she opened up her Bible and, you know, she was highlighting some things. And on the way home, she said, do you want to hear what I learned in church today? What they read and, or, you know, talked about. And I said, yeah. And so she read just from her Bible. Actually, she didn't read Bible. She memorized, you know, what the verse was. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. You know, so tender. whether you feel it or not, um, Without sounding cheesy, you know, people say you have a God-sized hole in your heart that can only be filled <laughs> by God, but it's true. It is. We're hungry for something. Yes. And if you don't fill that hunger with God, you're going to fill it with something else. Yep. And none of those things lead you're constantly to chasing. Nothing is ever good enough. Yeah. You're never content. Yeah. Until God, until you have him. That's it. He's it. Yeah. So it. if you, our encouragement today is if you are not a part of a local, if you are a believer. Mm -hmm. You are a part of the church. You are the church. Yeah. It is not the building. It is yes. you. When God talks about and, and, and about the church in the New Testament, he's talking about you. You are the church. If you are not a part of a local body of Christ in your area, or maybe there's not one in your town and maybe there's one 10, 15 minutes away, or you have a friend that goes to a church, first figure out what they teach. They have to teach Jesus, right? That he is the son mm -hmm. of God. There's no other way but him and to follow scripture. Go be a part of that community. Be a part of it. I promise you, when you start serving other people and you are not focused on yourself, you will be a happier mm -hmm. human being. Absolutely. God knew what he was doing when he said <laughs> to not be selfish. Because if you're selfish, you're going to be miserable. Yes. And if you put aside the importance of the church, your life will not be enriched the way that God designed it to be. It won't be. Mm -hmm. You need the church. You need community. Yep. The church was God's idea. Yeah. So if you say you don't need it, then maybe you need to re-listen to this episode. Yes. <laughs> Hit rewind. Yep. Go back. And the scriptures that we talked about today will be in our show notes so that you can go back and refer to them. But you know what? Do your own study. Mm -hmm. Get on the Bible app. Type in the search bar, church. Yeah. Look at all of the verses that come up about the church and to know that God loves the church. And if he loves the church then we need to love the church. The church is precious to him. Mm -hmm. He died for it. He died for the church. So who are we to tell God that we don't need it? Amen. So yeah. yeah. That's good, Chess. Thank you. You helped me work through some stuff. You guys well, just... Thank you for being honest. Yeah. I think for those of you who are listening, I think you guys are going to really appreciate Lori's honesty because... I don't know. You guys are going to hear sometimes us work through things. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but we just hope that you guys learn something or that you can relate to anything that we talk about. So, all right. All right. Well, that's it. You guys chess, big hug, a big hug. Big hug. <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone. Okay, Bye. See you next time.
Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Instagram or reach out to us through email. Our contact info will be in the show notes on our podcast page. We'd love to hear from you. Please let us know about any topic you would like to see explored and any questions that you may have. We look forward to seeing where this podcast takes us and we are beyond excited for this journey. And please subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode.